The Bloody Podcastacre with Zach Walters and Kennedy Catherine. right there. I'm just like running through every possibility in my mind of how I'm going to die in this apartment in the next 24 hours. I think we should open the podcast just to put it out there in the event that you are ruthlessly murdered. We do suspect that something might be in Zach's apartment. Yes. Mm-hmm. It could be someone, but I think it's something. Could be an energy. Could be a human. Not really a place where a human could fit very easily without being detected. But I'm it's just an option. Of someone trying to hide under the kitchen table and me not seeing them. And like, I walk in, I'm like, did you notice there's a guy under your I'm table? Like, oh, hey. <laughs> Shit. No, I did not. He's been sensing some things and honestly, compelling evidence. Thank yeah. you. Thank compelling. you for believing in me. I do. My friend told me to put a bowl of salt beside my bed. And I was just like, sure. And I didn't last night because I was like, I cannot. What does salt do exactly? Create a barrier between you and whatever else is. The other realm. Yes. Mm. I would assume we would put, like, a ring of salt, like, around you. Yeah. Like, an actual barrier. Right. But I was like, I have a cat, and that cat is going to... Eat that salt. Or jump off and scratch and break the barrier, and I'm still going to die. Oh, we went very different directions with that. But, but both. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, cat yeah. will ruin the barrier, and I will die. Right. The most compelling evidence that I just want to share, because it is the spookiest thing of all, is that your Google Home timer went off. Yeah. And any time that our Google Home does anything suspicious like that, I immediately, like, I'm like, oh, this is it. Like, absolutely, within the next 30 seconds, something is coming for me. Well, and it's weird because normally I don't use it for alarms. I mostly listen to, use it to listen for music. Right. And I did have a nap yesterday morning, so I woke up very early, and then I was like, I'm going to go back to bed for a little bit. Yeah. So I set an alarm. But the alarm sound and the timer sound are two very completely different sounds. And it was a timer. And it was very odd because it was like literally a minute within me getting into my bed that it went off. And I was just like, I was like, please stop. And then I like panicked and I was like asking it. I'm trying not to trigger any three that I have in my apartment right now by saying words. But I asked it to shut off all future alarms and timers. And it said that there was no alarms and that they've canceled all alarms and timers after. That's so weird. I know. And I've I've never had it before. Like, I've had it pick up, like, you know. When you're having a conversation yeah, about it. Yeah, and sometimes it just will pick up and do whatever. Yeah. But this was just so strange. It had an, a timer set. Anytime that I use the timer function, which is rare that I even remember that I can. But when mm-hmm. I do, it has to be so fucking specific for her to get it right. Yeah. For her to get it right as if, like, it's her fault. But, like, for her to pick it up, like, mm-hmm. I have to use those very specific words. Like, yes. wh- how would a timer just be set? I don't know. And it's know. not like it's connected to your phone. No. I don't use the app for it. Right. Yeah, it was just very bizarre. Mm-hmm. And it was literally, like, the moment I got into bed. So strange. Yeah. I have, um... Like one of those color light bulbs for my Google Home in my bedroom, so that I don't have to. I can get into bed and then shut off the light after. I have it like at like a nice like orange going to bed, so it's nice in the room. It's not hard on my eyes, you know, the whole shebang. I turned it up to bright ivory white at one hundred, and I sat in my room for like fifteen minutes, just like <laughs> dead, dead staring at like nothing. Yep. And then I like normally like, I have my door half closed because I don't like looking into like dark places while I'm sleeping. Right. And I, like, fully closed it last night. And I was like, Charlie, we are in here tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy, but you ain't getting out. No. That is... Uh, I don't like it at all. No, it just wasn't it. Especially now being alone, you know? Of course. 
after we had the conversation about you had asked me in, a, in an episode, do I ever feel uneasy when I'm at the cabin yeah. by myself? Well, my dumbass, because we do these so far in advance, oftentimes I'll go into the audio having no idea mm-hmm. what it is. And it, that that happened. I was out there by myself, go to edit the podcast. It's night. The whole podcast is about people getting murdered in a cabin. There was a second where I fully hit that level of terrified based on nothing. Like there was no reason to feel uneasy, but I hit that moment where I was just like, I'm either absolutely not going to sleep tonight. I need to call someone. Don't know who I would call. That's what I also thought last night. I was like, who should I call? Right? Or I just need to leave. I need to just drive back to the city right now in the dead of night. Um, Neither one of those things happened. I went to bed and I fell asleep immediately. I also passed right out last (laughs) night. It's like, well, I'm scared, but I'm also exhausted. Yes. My day has been mentally draining, so we are going to hit the snooze button. We are going to be avoidant in this moment. Yes. And that's what we were. But welcome to the Bloody Podcastacre. Oh, yeah. That is Zachary Walters. And that's Kennedy Catherine. We really went on a tangent today. We took two weeks off, and you'd think we'd never done it before. I'm really surprised. This is episode 19. I know. I know. It feels both like we've done 40 and like we've done four. I know. There's no in between. No. And like every time like I'm editing to post the next one, I'm like, we're on, what What did we just post again? Oh, fuck if I know. I can't <laughs> The last remember. episode, I put like the number in, and I was like... Sinister. Really? I was like, really? Yes. 17. <laughs> Every time now that I go to upload an episode, I have to go back and check which one, what number it is, because I can't keep track anymore. Like, when you think about that, that's 17 weeks. Also, like, the conception of this took a really long time. That's true. So it's been a long road. Longer than 17 weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny to think about the first recording of this podcast is <laughs> so different. Okay, but do you remember our first, first recording? That's what I mean. It was four hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It wasn't going to be four hours. We were either going to edit it down or separate it into two, but that was going to be the format. I can't even imagine how much we would have hated it. We probably wouldn't be here today. No, there's just no way that's not feasible. Ugh. Well, you're welcome is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah. We're here today with one of the OGs of the horror world, the horror genre, the murder genre. The slasher genre. That's the one. (laughs) It is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) <laughs> that was actually pretty good. Thank you. I was nervous. I was like, what does it change that sound like? <laughs> I started and I was like, I have no idea what the noise I'm about to make. Is going to be. Yeah. First observation that I didn't know I was going to make. Not enough chainsaw noises. Very not... subtle. Yes. Whispers of a chainsaw. Surprisingly a very bright movie. It is. And it's not gory, really. No. I was reading reviews about it. It was supposed to be gory, but they took a lot of it out to leave it more to the viewer's imagination. That's smart. Which is, you know, fine. And that also takes away a lot of work for them. I think that that's another reason why it ages okay. We'll talk more about how we feel Mm -hmm. about it and how it aged. But there was a couple moments where I thought something was about to happen and I was waiting for like the extremely outdated, horrible graphic, yeah. ketchup-y moment and mm-hmm. it never came. No, honestly, I think why it's still, it's still fine. Oh yeah. I don't, it wasn't my favorite by any means. No. Before we started recording, I mentioned that I really still love, I think it's 2003 is when the remake was. I love that one. It's still, it's the goriness of it. Like there's, I think I told you about this. I don't know if it's on the last podcast, but in that reboot one, there's one where he's taking one of the girls downstairs and she's going down where she's trying to like stop and she's scratching along the walls. Right. Her nails, they zoom in on her nails and they pop off. There's little moments like that in the reboot where I was like kind of hoping that that would show up in this and it never 
did come to fruition. So I was like, eh. But also at the same time, I was like, you know what? Not bad. Yeah. There is something about the idea of someone taking a chainsaw to my shoulder and taking my arm off that is better than my nails popping off, scratching right? a wall. I know. Oh. I was like, I, I'll take the chainsaw, please, for 500 <laughs> Also, like, the thing where it's, like, you pull the hangnail and it, like, slowly rips all the way up your arm to your neck. What? Have you ever had that fear? <laughs> no! Really? Interesting. I don't know that that... Is that common? Yeah. Oh, okay. I see, like, funny, like, little illustrations of it. I'm gonna see if I can find one okay. for you. <laughs> I hate it. No uh, the skin. photo is just a body, but with just muscle left. No skin. That is making me so severely uncomfortable. Wow. I My asshole is clenched. <laughs> and now you're going to think about that every time. I and am. I'm so sorry that I have... Thank you for scarring me. Ruining my life. into your mind. So I have things to say, but I think we should just work through the uh, synopsis quickly before we, we head right in. I am ready. Sally Hardesty, her paraplegic brother Franklin, and their friends Jerry, Kirk, and Pam visit the grave of the Hardesty's grandfather to investigate reports of vandalism and grave robbing. Afterwards, they decide to visit the old Hardesty family homestead. Along the way, they pick up a hitchhiker who talks about his family who worked at the old slaughterhouse. He borrows Franklin's pocket knife and cuts himself, then takes a single Polaroid picture of Franklin for which he demands money. When they refuse to pay, he burns the photo and slashes Franklin's left arm with a straight razor. The group forces him out of the van and drives on. They stop at a gas station to refill the vehicle, but the proprietor tells them that the pumps are empty. They continue toward the homestead, intending to return to the gas station once it has received a fuel delivery. When they arrive, Franklin tells Kirk and Pam about a local swimming hole and the couple go to find it. They stumble upon a nearby house and Kirk calls out for gas and enters through the unlocked door while Pam waits outside. A large mute man wearing a mask made from human skin, Leatherface, suddenly appears and kills Kirk with a hammer. Pam enters soon after and trips into a room filled with furniture made from human bones. She attempts to flee but Leatherface catches her and impales her on a meat hook, making her watch as he butchers Kirk with a chainsaw. Jerry heads out to look for Pam and Kirk at sunset. He sees the house and finds Pam still alive inside a freezer. Before he can react, Leatherface kills him. With darkness falling, Sally and Franklin set out to find their friends. As they near the neighboring house and call out, Leatherface lunges from the darkness and kills Franklin with a chainsaw. Sally runs towards the house and finds the remains of an elderly couple upstairs. She escapes from Leatherface by jumping through a second floor window and flees to the gas station. The proprietor calms her with offers of help, but then he ties her up, gags her, and forces her into his truck. He drives to the house, arriving at the same time as the hitchhiker, now revealed as Leatherface's brother. The hitchhiker recognizes Sally and taunts her. The men torment the bound and gagged Sally while Leatherface, now dressed as a woman, serves dinner. Leatherface and the hitchhiker bring down one of the bodies from upstairs, that of their grandpa but he's revealed to be alive when he sucks blood from a cut on Sally's finger. They decide that Grandpa, the best killer in the old slaughterhouse, should kill Sally himself. He tries to hit her with a hammer, but he's far too weak. In the ensuing struggle, she breaks free, leaps through a window, and flees to the road. Leatherface and the hitchhiker give chase, but the latter is run over and killed by a passing truck. Leatherface attacks the truck with his chainsaw, and when the driver stops to help, he knocks Leatherface down with a pipe wrench, causing the chainsaw to cut his leg. The driver flees, and Sally escapes in the back of a passing pickup truck as Leatherface maniacally flails his chainsaw in the air in anger and defeat. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I really loved that last scene of him flailing his chainsaw around. It felt... <laughs> this is a strange felt romantic. Right? I kept <laughs> like, thinking, this is a beautiful, like, music video moment. Right? And I kind of want to, like, make a bunch of, like, 
Leatherface dances to My Heart Will Go On. Oh. You know, or, like, Leatherface dances to You Name It. Like, things like, it just felt like that would fit wherever I want. Right. Every Time by Britney Spears, think about it. Every Time We Touch by Cascada. <laughs> it's endless. It's really, it it's a market is. which I am not allowing anybody who's listening to take this away from me. Thank you. No, you get to do that and you get to have that. That's your life's greatest purpose. Goal. Yeah. It's your purpose. And also, like, he flails the chainsaw in anger and defeat. But a part of me felt that it was very motivational. Like, he mm-hmm. was hopeful. Like, it was kind of like me with a lighter in the air at a concert. Just, Ew. just that vibes. That's so old. Do you just still vibes. do that? Um, or are you 60? Okay, first of all, yeah, yes, we both know. I know. We both I know that I am. Um, <laughs> at an outdoor music festival? I've never been. Oh, good God. Get a fucking grip and get I, to an outdoor music festival. Yeah, you know, when? Tell me when. I've been in a to panoramic <laughs> during a Patricia. <laughs> well, I'll take you to Nest Creek. I would never go to Nest Creek. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> that just seems... I've literally been I camping know, with you. You would what? love it. We were <laughs> we're having our first like fight. Okay, maybe you weren't in a tent, but I fucking was. Yeah, I know. I was sleeping upstairs on the slats. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. He might be flailing it triumphantly, but I think what no one's talking about or thinking about when they watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that, yeah, Sally had a bad day. So did Leatherface. He's having a terrible time. His family's hating him. Hates him. Yeah, because he can't get his shit together. He didn't kill the final girl. I know. So. But he also kind of was the final girl. In the end, he was the final girl. Yeah. Shit. Wow. It really makes An you anti-hero, think. An anti-hero, you know? It really does make you think. I love Leatherface. Honestly, like, as a character, one of my favorite, like, series villains. Mm-hmm. I do love Leatherface. I find it to be a really fascinating character because it is so based in reality. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so, like, I never explicitly knew that Texas Chainsaw Massacre had any ties to, uh, like, pre-existing stories. Yeah. So I didn't know that it was um, inspired by Ed Gein. However, when you are watching it, it is so clear. Like, any mm-hmm. person who knows anything about true crime or Ed Gein would immediately, as soon as she's in that house and see the furniture made of bones, have put yeah. that together. Seeing that imagery and knowing that that has existed and probably existed in way more people and cases than we know about mm-hmm. yeah, for is sure. so fucking wild. When they showed that couch, mm-hmm. I was like, one, kind of sick. Two, I was like, dear God. Do you imagine stumbling upon something like that? So I was thinking about this, and I feel like you and I always come from a different direction on topics like this. I don't know that my brain would immediately figure that out or assume that it was human. I think the only reason that you would finally put it together is seeing those other, like, the skull. Mm -hmm. Or, like, you know, like, things that actually resemble human. Because it's not like there's, like, hand and feet bones or, like, a pelvis bone. I would say hand and feet would be most resemblance that you would notice. Yeah. That'd be like, oh, those are human. Yes. Um, But, like, they mostly look like femur and leg and arm bones, which could be anything. Exactly. Um, I'd be no, like, I oh. agree. Where it would be probably take a while. I'd probably sit on it, have a nap, and then wake <laughs> up and be like, oh, that, oh. This feels very human-y to me, so yeah, I'm like, going to get out. I'm going to take this for the road, though, and sell it on Facebook, buy and sell. Probably listed as mid-century model. <laughs> You know it would go for hundreds. Thousands of dollars. Do you know what's interesting about this movie? So many notes and they're very disorganized. What? (laughs) This movie is very like, it gives off this very like hot, dusty, stuffy 
feel. The way that it's shot, it's like you can very much tell like it is hot girl summer for Leatherface. Absolutely. You know, and like <laughs> hot girl summer for all of them. Every single outfit in that movie is something I would wear now. I'm picturing you in the like Leatherface like get up like. Okay, can we can we exclude the entire no. murdering family from no. that? I meant our no. victims. Okay. No, you cannot take it back. You have to wear the Leatherface get up in a hot girl summer. Fine. Carhartt. Leatherface was the moment. He is the true icon. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> this movie is definitely psychological. In what way? Because we were talking about it where it's like the house itself terrifying. Like, it's all like in your mind. I mean, I think the imagery is pretty horrifying too, though. I think the most horrifying one for me was the... Um, hook yes yeah, i was gonna say the steak back. hook that's what i meant when i was saying there were so many moments where i expected to see something that i didn't mm-hmm. because when he picked her up and you see that meat hook you are thinking oh god like it's gonna to see the it it'll the impale her or like mm-hmm. come through her or there's gonna be blood and there's nothing. nothing also it's very interesting because the way that they show that shot She's, like, just, like, moving her body, like, as if she's dangling from it. But you don't see her feet, so I'm, like, obviously she's just standing in front of the hook. 100%. But then they show her feet later, mm-hmm. and they, like, kind of go up, and I'm, like, hmm. Hmm. 1970s. The, yeah, the movie magic. But movie magic, I really, at first I was, like, why are they doing this? But they kept doing the, like, zoom-in shots, and I ended up loving every single one of them. Mm-hmm. There was one where um, Leatherface was chasing... Sally. Yeah, Sally through the woods at night. Mm-hmm. It kept, like, doing, like, slow cut-ins to their face. And I was like, this is great. The filmmaking, to me, didn't feel reminiscent of any one time. Mm-hmm. And I, that might be a poor opinion. People might be like, no, that was this very 1970s. But, like, so many movies from the 1970s have, like, such a specific feel, whereas this brand of filmmaking, like, some of the shots, just the way that it looked, to me, felt very modern in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. She is the blueprint. She is the blueprint. She is the movement. She is the moment. Also, the fact that it's a chainsaw. Can we talk about that? We can. Could you pick anything quieter? I mean, they're in the middle of nowhere, so it does not matter, and everybody's in on the whole gig. It's so efficient. Yes. Because when they're running through that forest, the one thing that a person needs to get through that forest more quickly and efficiently... Is a chainsaw. Is a chainsaw. And he did it. He was... But he's so slow. This is what I, to me, didn't feel 1970s-ish to me. Or I shouldn't say 1970s, but didn't feel early horror film to me. The extended moments of discomfort and anxiety, that is not something that I think you saw a ton of. So, like, Mm -hmm. it was so unsettling and so scary in the moments where, like, he's chasing her forever. Yeah. She's screaming at the dinner for forever. They're laughing at her. All of these things go on for so long that it's like, that is not something I think I have seen in movies from that time. No. Um, Like, I think it's especially once Sally finds the grandparent or, like, the grandfather and the grandmother upstairs. From that moment on, it is just a scream. Mm Mm-hmm. Constant. She must have been exhausted. But, like, it's so so good. It's It's, so effective. And, yeah, I agree with with that like she is the moment (laughs) both of them sally and leatherface yeah if they could have just found love in a hopeless place maybe they would have had something total eclipse of the heart why is this our most like (laughs) pop culture (laughs) referenced girl boss episode uh because leatherface and sally girl bosses guy never stops (laughs) boss babes they are the end game if you will (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe. Should we quickly, like, write up all the people working on the new one and be like, listen, what are your thoughts on... It's actually, like, a buddy <laughs> cop movie. But instead of them being cops... <laughs> They are a murdering duo. Yes. But she doesn't murder. She just screams. She's like the family who like acts. She's a good actress. Right. You know, she she leads them to the place. They go to the gas station. She works at the gas station. Mm. You know, she washes and fills the car. There is something about working at a gas station in the 1970s that feels so hot to me. It like, also seems terrible. Oh. Well, that one specifically, no thank you, ma'am. All I want to do is put on the shortest shorts. Yes. A little wedge heel. Mm-hmm. I want to sit at a cash a register. Flannel tie yes. up. Sit at a cash register, blow some bubbles with some gum, read a Stephen King novel. Yes. That's made for me. No mm-hmm. cell phones. None. The fact that they were also, though, still heavily into astrology. I loved that. <laughs> I was like, it really, like, this still is so relevant. I mean, obviously, those things have existed always. Mm-hmm. When they started talking about, like, okay, but Venus is in retrograde. And I was like... I was like, oh, is it 2020? <laughs> yeah. 2021? Are they also in a pandemic? hmm I want to circle back real quick to Leatherface being uh, the moment and just say... First of all, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a movie that has been written about highly in academia. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of talk around how negatively that impacted the portrayal of transgender people in media. Hmm. Yeah, it was just once again, like, one of the first times that you're seeing a man dressed as a woman is in this way. Mm -hmm. And that's really fucking unfortunate. In our sort of light, comical look at that, I just wanted to acknowledge that I know that to be true, and that's shit. Um, When did John Waters produce his films? Probably around that same time. Because it feels... Leatherface feels very much like a John Waters character at the same time, in a sense, you know? I'm going to look up, actually, because now I'm curious. Yeah, early 70s, like, really. But John Waters' movies were very much cult classics. Yeah. Speaking of academia, I want to ask you a question, and I don't know... I'm scared. Don't be scared. It's okay. But this question, when I... When I posed this question to myself, I went through a lot of different thought processes about it, and I don't really, didn't really come to an answer. This movie came out in the early 70s, and at that time, there was a lot of political discourse in the United States, and this was a commentary on a lot of those things. It has been so highly written about and so highly theorized about, but I'm not entirely sure about the writer's actual intentions in writing this. My question to you is, we talk about the meaning behind things a lot without often knowing what the actual truth is because a lot of times people don't speak about Mm -hmm. what the real metaphor is or whatever it is so does something actually hold any theoretical or intellectual value if the intention wasn't there by the creator so say if you assign like this very large meaning like oh this is actually a narrative about consumerism if the person's intention wasn't that does it still hold that meaning I see where you say, like, you went through different thoughts on this, because part of me is like, well, no, because that's not what the writer's intention was. But at the same time, that's what the consumer has taken from it. And And the way that it was portrayed through the directorial style, through the, you know, cinematography, through the way the characters are speaking and acting. Mm -hmm. Even if it wasn't their intention, that's what the final product is. I was thinking about, okay, so say I write something and someone proposes a certain theory about it that I disagree with, but it does hold weight. Like, there is a sensible connection Mm -hmm. there. 
Yeah. There is a part of you that can't disagree with that because all of our influence in society is similar. Like, mm-hmm. we're all living under the same sort of, like, societal rules. Yeah. So even if you didn't write it with that certain aspect in mind, no matter what you do or say, like, that influences in our work and in ourselves and in what we do. And everyone's going to have a different interpretation of that. That doesn't necessarily make it wrong. True. Well, it's also, like, the whole conversation of, like, no art is original. Right. Because you get all of those inspirations from everything. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, you're going to have something that has influenced you. Even if you don't end up creating that specific influence, Mm -hmm. it's going to show up. Right. Okay. I was just curious, just because it has been written about so, so much. Um, There's this guy, I can't remember his name. He's a professor who's done a lot of writing about film theory. But he talked about how this movie has like a sense of moral schizophrenia. One of the influences for this movie was a serial killer named Dean Coral. He was an American serial killer. He abducted, raped, tortured, and murdered at least 28 teenage boys um, in Texas between 1970 and 1973. And he had the help of two teenage accomplices. He was kind of known as the candy man or the Pied Piper because his family owned and operated a candy factory and they would give out candy, like free candy to local Mm -hmm. children and stuff like that. And so like there was this public persona of them, the American dream, the Mm -hmm. quintessential good person in society kind of thing. But like in private, he was this terrible fucking person. Mm -hmm. I just find that very, very interesting. I'm just now thinking about it. (sighs) No thoughts head empty. Yeah, all the time. (laughs) Oh, want to know a fun fact about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I really do. I'm sure you maybe know this. The gas station that is in the movie mm-hmm. is now a barbecue place called We Slaughter. They have, it's called We Slaughter Barbecue. In the menu, they have brisket and sausage by the pound. And they also have things like beans, potato salad, coleslaw, very much Texas flavor. Should we take a trip to Texas? I am discombobulated. <laughs> I am shocked. And I am delighted. I did not know this, and I would love to go there. I think it would be, one, so fun. Two, I would break my vegetarianism to have these foods. Okay, let's Um, do it. But they also have things like um, bacon-wrapped peppers. Oh, that sounds delicious. The photos looked great. I wonder if it's, like, really good food, though, or if it's just kind of, like, a novelty. Right. But also, like, do you have that thought? I have the thought in the back of my head. A slaughterhouse barbecue place. They're serving people. Are they people? (laughs) (laughs) Are they getting away with it? What is the tea? I I think it would be like a little too on the nose for them to do that. But also it is, it aligns perfectly. It does. To take the gas station and make it into a slaughterhouse barbecue that's real people. I'm not going to be the one to say (laughs) that. So will I break my vegetarianism to eat humans? Apparently, yes. Cannibalism. Ah. Can't live live without it. (laughs) I just want to talk a little bit about how this movie was made, the reaction to it. So it was banned in several countries, Mm -hmm. which I find interesting. I also think the second one was banned. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. And that was a response to people complaining about the violence. And so it drew a lot of really mixed reviews and reception, but it was super profitable. And overall, the entire film series has grossed over $252 million. The first one was over $30 million at the domestic box office. Mm -hmm. And so now it's, like, one of the most influential horror films. So it's credited with originating a lot of elements in the slasher genre, including the use of power tools as murder weapons, the characterization of a killer as being, like, a large, hulking, faceless, masked killer, 
And so the original sort of conception of this was Toby Hooper was working as an assistant film director at the University of Texas, documentary cameraman, and he sort of developed this story in his mind of something that involved isolation and the woods and darkness. And then he based a lot of the murder plot on Ed Gein, as we know, and then he was also inspired by Psycho. But a lot of it was cultural and political influences, Mm -hmm. as we know. The intention behind the whole, the film you're about to see is true, was his response to, quote-unquote, being lied to by the government about what was going on in the world. Because, you know, you'd have presidents who were saying, I want everything to be great, and then going and bombing on Christmas Day. So it was this response to the the lack of sentimentality and the brutality of things in the world at that time. So it was. Specifically with, you know, the American government, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, the oil crisis, Watergate, Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of really, you know, valuable context in theory around this movie. So it's interesting to me that even though all of that exists, when you really look at it, it is very simple. It's very cut and dry. Yes. You wouldn't know any of that just watching it. Kind of like that. I do too. And I like... I like the use of just what we could view as a very regular family mm-hmm. being murderers. All of them in on it. Together, you know? yeah. Um, I think that the 2003 version really emphasizes that a lot more. The family? Mm-hmm. Have the- you seen any like House of a Thousand Corpses or The Devil's no. Rejects? House of a Thousand Corpses is on my list. They are two of my favorite horror movies. Interesting. The Devil's Rejects. What, what year is that from? Who did it? What, did you say who did it? Yeah, who made it? It's Rob Zombie. Oh, so like, I, I don't think I've seen, I'm going to be honest, I don't think I've seen a Rob Zombie film. Oh, they're very, you never saw the Halloween remakes? Oh, yeah. I always forget that he did those ones. So House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects is pretty interesting for the fact that it is the same family. So it's called the Firefly family and okay. it's basically the same concept. It's a family of murderers. They live on a farm or like a ranch that is their murder hut, essentially. And... um <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses is very much like a campy horror. I wouldn't call it a comedy, though it has comedic elements. Mm -hmm. It is still a horror, but like Rain Wilson is in it. And then The Devil's Rejects is the same family, but uh, just a different story later in time. And it is gruesome and miserable. Like it is not comedic. It is not campy. And so it's really interesting to see this same family in that way, but in this huge tonal shift. I find that concept a family gone so fucking wrong morally. Just something is mm-hmm. not going right up there. I find that fascinating. It very much also gives me The Hills Have Eyes, even though that is, you know, nuclear poisoning, essentially. Yeah. I also want to see Lords of Salem. Yeah, it's it did not do well. Also, just very interesting that, you know, like, Rob Zombie, we're on such a tangent, and, like, I feel like this is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and we're, like, here. (laughs) Um, But Rob Zombie, like, you know, was a musician. Mm -hmm. And just was like, you know what? Horror movies. I'll do them. And and did such a great job. Yeah. I weirdly thought you were going to say it's weird that Rob Zombie is a vegan. Did not know, but... Him and his wife, hardcore vegan advocates. Good for them. Yeah. I just find it interesting that it's, here's us violently killing humans. (laughs) Don't kill the animals. Kill each other. We do not condone violence. Violence. So, you haven't seen any of the other movies, right? I haven't. There's eight in total. Can you believe that? It doesn't feel like it, though. But it's because I think that they're so well-spaced out. Because we had the original four, and then we had the two reboots, and then we had, like, a one standalone, and then I think we had Leather... Leatherface was, like, a prequel. 
Have you seen Leatherface? Yes. Did you like it? It was pretty well received. I don't remember liking it. Um, I, I think I'd it, like to see it. I think I thought it was boring. I just didn't care for it. Do you remember the details behind it? Like, I'm just curious, because it seems to me so on the nose with Ed Gein of, like, this person is dressing up as mm-hmm. a mother character. Like, I wonder how much those stories look similar when we're looking at the prequel. Like, is it... I don't know, but I was reading that... Yes, it is similar to Ed Gein, but also Ed Gein didn't have it, like, you know, didn't have a chainsaw, didn't... He only killed two people. I mean, not only killed two people, but, but he I think... shot two people, yes. Yeah, I think people think of him as being a serial killer, but he was predominantly a grave yeah. robber. But he did wear... His mother's a, yeah. skin, and other people's, too. Yeah. I love this story as a gruesome, you know, person fascinated by the otherness. There was, like, rumors in his town about his mother being seen under moonlight after she had died on the farm like people would talk about that Ugh. can you imagine you hear these rumors and then years later you find out yeah because he was wearing his, his mother Ugh. the whole concept of like where like even in midsummer like where they're wearing skin i get freaked out wearing like those rubber masks yeah like halloween masks i could just like i could never Ugh. He, i could it, even like it's... saying it out loud wearing somebody else's skin human or animal the idea of being surrounded by remains of some sort makes me want to unalive myself immediately yes i would much rather have somebody nope i don't even want somebody else to have my skin no but if they had to i mean it's no skin off my back i didn't even intentionally do that we're just gonna and that's it that is the last episode of the bloody podcast forever <laughs> um we've actually decided to retire wow mm-hmm. sometimes you know you really hit them in the head texas chainsaw never heard of her so there was back in 2017 no 2018 sorry um a man in the bay area rapid transit in california okay um was carrying two chainsaws on the subway and was joking to everybody oh it's halloween it's halloween but then started saying that um it was the whole texas chainsaw massacre and he said that it was a joke but people were like feeling a little concerned no. so like people started recording him there is a video um <gasps> he would just go up to people make a chainsaw noise and be like Rrr, you know but then he was like trying to like get them started would love to know what his thought process was about that yeah even if you were doing it as a halloween joke it's like you are on public transit that's not funny with people you have n- you do not know their humor you do not know anything about them why did you just look outside the wind is just very oh, intense all of a sudden yeah i heard it but yeah he was arrested Yeah, as you fucking should be for bringing chainsaws on public transport. But, like, he never did actually get them started, and there was no injuries, but it's like... Here's the thing, you guys. If you're going to take a chainsaw onto a subway, don't say anything about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Don't make jokes about starting it. Don't make chainsaw noises. Don't try to start it. Just be be very chill with the chainsaw ownery. Just tuck it it in your jacket. Call it a day have it in a bag yeah you know a little box um but this person also was so he was arrested for making criminal threats but then also had other outstanding warrants so it was like he was a criminal it was a little suspicious 47 years old classic yeah right before you hit your 50s you have that quick little uh chainsaw blip in your mind where you're like (laughs) ah gotta get it out before i hit 50 some people say midlife crisis some people say chainsaw chainsaw crisis crisis. (laughs) yeah Oh, yeah, I gotta yeah. go. Like, it's just... The bra- the brain's functioning on a level today. It's been great. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm assuming neither of us have favorite scenes. Great. I tried. I tried. I think that just, like I mentioned, my favorite part is just kind of, like, her acting. 
from yeah. finding the grandparents upstairs onwards mm-hmm. just because it is it was very effective and i had to turn my tv down i was like it does a lot of screaming i did the same thing i was like my neighbors are going to feel concerned yes i don't want to not pick a favorite scene but but we also really did love the dancing texas fans on massacre we at the end. Did. you know what that was my favorite scene yeah okay i guess like neither one of us really talked about how we felt about it though Let's just let's just deep dive some emotions real quick. I had never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. It lived in my mind as like a pivotal horror movie, but I did go into it understanding that it was a movie from the early 70s. Right. Did I love it? No, but I did feel like I could understand why it would have been so shocking for its time and so formative in building the horror genre. But for modern audiences, it's not going to give you much of a feeling. Mhm. Um, in high school, like, when I, like, had, like, a phase with my friend where we would watch all of the, like, newer ones, Mm -hmm. but we never watched the originals because I don't think until, like, the past, like, couple of years I had respects for older scary movies. Like the classics. yeah, Yeah. And even, like, a lot of them are coming out of, like, through the podcast, like, The Exorcist. Love it now. Mm -hmm. I agree where it's, like going into this i was like really excited that i was gonna get something more out of it it's not that it fell flat it's just that it wasn't deep or you know like psychological of what we know and even like with what i was expecting with the remakes it wasn't as like violent yeah it just doesn't it doesn't land where it is today and we're gonna rate it in a second so we'll touch on this anyways but i did not find it scary i will admit Mm -hmm. though that there was moments where God, I was uncomfortable. I yeah. really, really, really cannot stand. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But in movies where people are taunting a victim, mm-hmm. I find so affecting to the nervous system. And so the extended periods of time at that dinner table where oh. they're just like screaming at her, screaming and laughing at her. Mm-hmm. My whole body was just like, I got to fight some motherfuckers. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I picture you, like, fists up, like... <laughs> Bopping around. Yeah, who's ready? And, like, your roommate walks in, and you're like, bang! You're like, I'm so sorry, yeah. but you were next in line. Mm-hmm. And when she went through that window... Twice? Logistics. We've, we've God, yeah, we, we've missed some things. When she went through that window, I was like, good. You never see shit like no, that. No, she really was like, I am getting out of this yep. situation. She really was like, I am the final girl. Thank you. She's not okay, though. No. That final scene where she's in the back of the truck hardly feels victorious no i'm excited to see what they're gonna do we're gonna have to review the the sequel like the direct one from this it is the sequel though takes place now it's 47 years after the fact the woman who's cast as her Mm -hmm. is older because that woman has passed away so i'm yeah i'm super curious to see what they do with that the semi-driver what the fuck happened with that what happened i don't (laughs) Where did you it go? Kind of, what it did kind you of do? felt like a weird cartoon all of a sudden of like people are chasing around it and then they're like just chasing themselves and yes. then like no one's chasing. It felt like this weird like cartoon. Yeah, well, I just don't understand why they did it that way. So like the semi driver stops. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck did the semi driver get out of the car at all is my question. Well, I feel like he was probably going to help her. Oh, to that's Try to like, you yeah, know, maybe yeah, yeah. get her into the vehicle. But then he saw Leatherface and he was like running towards her. And then he was like, nope. nope. And like turned around and then got in, but then got into the passenger seat. No. So he, he gets into the driver's side. He pulls her into the truck through the driver's side. They both shuffle over right. and then get out of the passenger side. Why didn't they just drive away? You know, we don't know. 
And um, also the chainsaw was like barely making a scratch into that door. Exactly. And, so and they like, were like go. six feet above. It was going to be fine. Yeah. Um, mm. Good questions. Did he die? We'll never know. We I don't know. remember what happened to him. He really said, I need a little bit of trauma today and I'm going to include everybody else and then remove myself. Exactly. Okay. Let's write it. Yes. Scary. Four. Really? What did you give it? Oh, like a one or a two. Oh. You might be working with, like, a different concept of it because right. you've seen all of them. Just that one as a standalone, which is the only one I've seen, is not scary. You're right. I'll go down to a two and a half. Unsettling. Three. I forgot I watched it five minutes later. Yeah, I watched it yesterday morning and then I went about my day. Yeah. One. Story. Five. Six, maybe. I could be swayed in so many directions on this one. Yeah. I'll give it... A, I'm going to stick with a five. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be right on the... I'm going to give it a five as well. The middle line. Is it a paper cut? Or is it a bloody massacre? Well, I just want to say massacre, podcastacre. It is kind of our namesake. Yeah. I think it is, if there was one more window jump, I would have been sold. It It is one one short window jump. Mm -hmm. It is one meat hook away from all of my vital organs. Mm -hmm. Piercing all of them. Collecting them all in one meat hook. (laughs) Like a little skewer. Yes. A little kebab. (laughs) The human kebab. That's me. Wow. Great job, everybody. Didn't know that we would actually have this many feelings about this movie. I felt like I had no feelings about this movie. And I'm not saying I did or I didn't. Because if there's one thing I know about myself, it is that I have a skill for making up an opinion on the spot about anything immediately. Yes. Thank you so much for listening, I guess. Yeah, we love you guys. (laughs) I guess. I guess. Whatever you feel. I don't know you personally, most of you, but... If you would like, follow us at Podcastacre on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. You can follow us on YouTube at The Bloody Podcastacre. Comment, subscribe, and like. If you would like, leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Please. Until next time. Who will survive and what will be left of them? <laughs>